Chapter 49 of The Goddess of Akvatbar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. Preparation for War. In less than a week, as measured by the time bells of Kioram, the ships began to arrive with troops from various parts of the coast of Akvatbar, bringing volunteers for either branch of the service of Her Majesty. In ten days, 100,000 volunteers had arrived and these were quartered in the city, pending their equipment as wayleels and bokkakids. As might be expected, a great many were deserters from the royal army, and these were of great assistance in organising the troops, being already skilled in the tactics of aerial warfare. General Rakhine had turned the entire fortress into an arsenal of war. Fires blazed everywhere for forging guns and magnet spears, and a thousand hammers were shaping the limbs of bokkakids. The department for making ammunition was busiest of all, furnishing the elements on whose efficiency depended success or defeat. A vast quantity of hand mitrailleuses or gigantic revolvers were made, and, being of but little weight, these blew showers of bullets from magazines attached to the tubes. Each wayleel carried a thousand cartridges. A cell in the case of the wayleels had to furnish a double current, viz. the current that moved the wings and the death-dealing current of the spear. For each bokkakid, two powerful cells were necessary, one for the rider, and the other to work the bokkakid he rode or flew upon. The strongest cell was contained in the body of the mechanical bird, which moved both its wings and legs, and also furnished its claws with a deadly current, so that when a detachment of bokkakids dashed into a mass of wayleels, legs foremost, the greatest possible havoc could be made with the least possible risk to the mounted riders. The object of having each cell separate, in the case of the bokkakids, was apparent. In case a mounted wayleel got unhorsed, he was able to join the wayleels, or infantry having the same equipment as they. Our superiority in arms when compared with the royal army, which possessed only magnet spears and shields, was apparent. Of course, the enemy also made the legs and claws of the Bokkakids magnet spears in themselves. It seemed remarkable that a people so inventive and who possessed the best of all means for manufacturing firearms should not have thought of a better device than their naval air guns. It was but a further illustration of the fact that the keenest minds are constantly colour-blind to the simplest combinations visible to lookers-on while they are pursuing their elaborate researches. But the royal army, if inferior in arms, possessed the superiority of numbers. It outnumbered us three to one. Our total forces consisted of 175,000 wayleels and 42,000 bokkakids, making a total of 217,000 troops, which included 5,000 Amazons. We at first expected a much larger army, believing the priests of invention under Grasnagilipas would certainly espouse the cause of the queen. But it was a terrible blow to our enthusiasm when we learned that the priests of invention, making a total of 50,000 wayleels, had joined the royal army and would fight against their late goddess. Kalnagur being the headquarters of the royal army, it would have been particularly dangerous for the priests of invention to have espoused our cause, surrounded as they were by the enormously more powerful enemy. To our loss they had chosen to continue as part of the army of the king, which at the lowest computation numbered half a million men. The king seemed strangely reluctant to begin the attack, although he knew the extent of our forces in Kioram. It was evident the protection given the city by the fleet allowed us to complete the arming and drilling of our forces without molestation. Supreme General Hushnoli reported that, thanks to the indefatigable energy of General Rakhine and his colleagues, General Starbottle, Goldrock and Flathootli, assisted by Generals Charka, Yamul, Pra and Notothebek, had been able to fully equip the wayleels with mitrailleuses, wings, electric spears and uniforms. The Bokkakids, in addition, were mounted on mechanical birds that could either fly, trot, or walk with tremendous speed. I instructed Hushnoli to make his appointment of officers without delay, as we might take the field any moment. General Rakhine informed us that he was hard at work on a portable terrorite gun for aerial warfare. 
He hoped to have a battery of these guns ready in time to decide the war in our favour. I thanked the general for his extraordinary exertions and informed him I felt sure of his success with terrorite guns who would be invincible. Our spies, who had been dispatched in all directions, informed us that the Royal Army was in a state of activity not inferior to our own. A daily review was being held in the air above Kalnagur, and it was discovered that Coltonbury was about to make a descent on our ships, particularly to seize the Polar King, and by thus silencing her guns have Kioram and the Army of the Queen at his mercy. The plan was approved of by the King, and might be put into operation at any moment. This was most important news, and we decided to take the initiative at once. We will attack the enemy, even if he is a million strong, I said. Everything calls for an immediate advance, said Hushnoli. We also learned from trusty couriers that Leone had been brought before the Barodomy and the Legislative Assembly in full conclave, after hearing the evidence, had found her guilty of treason, impiety and sacrilege to her faith, of treason to the King, and had, by encouraging insurrection, caused her adherents to take up arms against both King and law, thereby endangering the lives and property of the inhabitants of the Kingdom. There was no one to recommend Leone to mercy, and she was condemned to death. The King had already signed her death warrant. She might be executed at any moment. It was a dreadful crisis to contemplate. Our first duty was to save the life of our Queen at any sacrifice. I at once called a council of war to consider this all-important question. We had only assembled when a royal courier arrived at the fortress with an important dispatch addressed to His Excellency Lexington White, Commander-in-Chief of the Insurrectionary Army at Kioram. End of chapter 49